0: I invite you to turn with me in the word of God to the book of Genesis and to the chapter 25, the book of Genesis and the chapter 25. I'm going to read a section of this chapter commencing at the first verse. And we have been looking at the life of Abraham and we find in this chapter his life coming to an end. Abraham the pathway of faith and so we come to Genesis 25 and commencing at the first verse then again Abraham took a wife and her name was Keturah and she bare him Zimran and Jokshan Medan and Midian and Ishbak and Shua, and Jokshan begat Sheba, and Dedan, and the sons of Dedan were Asherim, and Latushim, and Leumim, and the sons of Midian, Ephah, and Ephor, and Hanak, and Abida, and Eldah. And These were the children of Keturah, and Abraham gave all that he had on Isaac, but unto the sons of the concubines which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac his son while he yet lived eastward on the east country. And these are the days of the years of Abraham's life which he lived, and hundred, and threescore, and fifteen years. Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. And his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of Machpelah in the field of Ephron, the son of Zohar the Hittite, which is before Mamre. The field which Abraham purchased of the sons of Heth, there was Abraham buried and Sarah his wife. And it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac dwelt by the well Leheroi. Amen. We'll end there at verse 11. And may the Lord be pleased to add his own blessing to this public reading from his own precious and infallible word. Amen. It's good singing. Let us turn uh, to God's word once again, the portion of scripture that we have read together. And we've been reading uh, concerning Abraham. and This has come really to the final chapter in the life of Abraham. And if you were following in the reading... We have read about his death. And I would draw your attention to the 8th verse. And if you look in Genesis chapter 25 and the verse 8, it says, Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. And here we're thinking about Abraham's death and really he shows us today how to die well how to die well let us just unite together in a word of prayer and ask the Lord for help in the ministry of his word our gracious God and our loving heavenly father we do thank thee for the blessing of the scriptures and we thank thee our father for the study that we've been able to conduct together on Abraham. And we praise thee, O God, for the pathway of faith. And even as we would come today to consider the death of the man of God, thou wouldst be pleased, O God, to teach us and to instruct us even through it, and that it might prove to be a blessing to each one of our hearts We're looking to thee, our Father, knowing that vain is the help of man. And I pray that thou wouldst come, O God, and endue me with the power of God, the Holy Spirit. And in everything that would be said and done, may it be God-honoring and God-glorifying. We pray in the Saviour's great name. Amen. Well, Charles Wesley wrote to his brother John. And in referring to the early Methodists, he said, Our people die well. Our people die well. It was a doctor who, in conversation with Charles Wesley, remarked on that. And the doctor, having visited many deathbeds, he remarked to Charles Wesley how when those early Methodists came to die, there was a sense of assurance, There was a calmness. There was a peace. And therefore he said, they die well. They die well. John Wesley had an early Methodist publication, a magazine, and in it he would have published many testimonies of those dying saints, individuals who knew the presence of the Lord with them when it came to that very moment individuals who had a wonderful assurance of the love of God to their hearts, individuals who had that peace within their heart and knowing that their sins had been forgiven, they died well. John Wesley knew that to die well, you must live well. Now, we have been following in the life of Abraham And we have followed him over a good number of chapters in the Word of God and we entitled our study, The Pathway of Faith. And we have followed Abraham through his life of faith. But we've come now to Genesis 25 and it's the final chapter in his life. And it's describing for us here the deathbed scene. This great man is now coming to the end of his time on this earth. You remember how we first followed him as he took that first step of faith and he stepped out from the air of the Chaldees at the call of God and how the Lord was going to lead him and guide him and bring him into the land of Canaan. And we learned all of the lessons along the way. Sometimes we learn from the failures of Abraham and other times we learn from the faith of Abraham. And we know that God gave him a wonderful promise and that promise involved a son. He would have an heir. Isaac would be born. And from the line of Abraham, he knew that the promised Messiah, the promised seed would come. Now it took a miracle, it took the very power of God for Abraham to have Isaac. He was a hundred years old, a hundred years of age. And the Bible tells us that he was past the years of fathering a child. In fact, in the New Testament, Paul says his body now dead. And in that sense his body was dead but such was the miracle of the Lord. He restored Abraham and he restored Sarah and physically he gave them the ability to have a child. He was a hundred and she was ninety-nine. Amazingly, that restoration of body seems to have remained with Abraham. Because if you were following in our Bible reading, in Genesis 25, he not only remarries, as the first verse tells us, that he took to wife uh, one by the name of Keturah, but it goes on to tell us that she bare him sons. And in fact you would find there were six further sons are named here and there's grandchildren as well. And so Abraham had that ability to father more children to Keturah. Commentators would be differing in their opinions as to whether Abraham should have remarried at this particular time or not. Some commentators would view it positively, others would view it negatively. And we don't know very much about Keturah. We do know her name. And that name Keturah is associated with the burning of incense. And it actually means one who makes incense to burn whenever they would have burned the incense, there was, of course, uh, the fragrance, the uh, sweet fragrance, a beautiful scent. And we know that the Old Testament uh, characters, their, their name is actually something of an indication and revelation of their character. And perhaps this would be an indication that she was of good character we would sometimes describe someone as a breath of fresh air. Just whenever you meet them and whenever they enter the room, their presence can light up the room. And here was Katura, one who makes the incense to burn. It seems there was uh, that sweet and beautiful fragrance. Maybe she was of a delightful character. But this woman became Abraham's wife. In the latter stages of his life, she was there with him. And then he reaches that grand old age of 175 years. Of course, prior to the flood, people lived much longer than that. They lived hundreds of years. And after the flood, the lifespan began to reduce And here we find that Abraham has reached 175, but the time has come. The time has come whenever he must leave this earth. Isn't that a reminder to us all? That if the Lord tarries, that time will come for each one of us. We don't know if it's a long life, We don't know if it's a short life, but we know that that time inevitably will come. But even if you're blessed with a long life, the hymn is still right when it says, Swift to its close ebbs out life's little day. It's just a little time. Abraham was blessed, we could say, with long life. He survived his own wife, Sarah, by almost 50 years. But whether it's many years on this earth or whether it's few years, how quickly it goes in. James asks the question, what is your life? And he answers it. He said, it is even as a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away just a little time that we're on this earth we would need to spend it wisely we would need to spend it well only one life will soon be passed and it's only what's done for the Lord Jesus Christ that will last and so as we think of the great patriarch here Abraham and he's coming to the end of his life He's an example to us of how to die well. And firstly, I want you to notice with me his faith at death. When you look there at our text of Scripture, verse 8, just the opening words, Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died. Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died. We've indicated that he lived that life of faith, and he died in faith. We entitled our series of messages, The Pathway of Faith. The Word of God will make many references to the faith of Abraham. He's even called the father of the faithful. He was 75 years of age when the Lord first called him out of the air of the Chaldees, and now he's 175. And that means for 100 years he has been living that life of faith. 100 years. You think of the promise that the Lord gave him about the Son And it got to the stage in Abraham and Sarah's life that it seemed to be humanly impossible but Abraham believed God even though he had been childless for so long and we know that there was that failure when Abraham and Sarah turned to the arm of the flesh and through Hagar Ishmael would be born. But ultimately his faith triumphed in the Lord. When Paul in Romans chapter 4 was looking for the example of faith, he looked to Abraham and he tells us that Abraham believed God and it was counted on to him for righteousness, a man who believed God. Paul said he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strong in faith giving glory to God. Whenever you think of Hebrews chapter 11, and Hebrews 11 is the chapter on the faithful, and we read there, by faith Abraham, in relation to his pilgrimage, in relation to the promise, in relation to the sacrifice of Isaac, by faith Abraham. That's how he faced it all. He faced it all with that steadfast faith in the Lord. Perhaps no more was his faith tested in a greater way than on Mount Moriah. You remember in Genesis chapter 22 when along with Isaac he went up Mount Moriah, he was called by the Lord to sacrifice his son. And he was willing to do that with the faith, with the belief that Isaac would rise again The Lord would raise him up. But there through Genesis 22 on Mount Moriah, Abraham will learn more about substitutionary sacrifice. When the ram was caught there by its horns in the thicket and it became that substitute, it took Isaac's place. The blood was shed. The sacrifice was made. And Abraham saw there on Moriah... He saw there in type and in shadow the Lamb of God. He saw the Lord Jesus Christ. And he saw his substitutionary death and sacrifice upon the cross of Calvary. He was able to look forward to that day by faith. And you know the Lord Jesus Christ in conversation with the Jews in John chapter 8 And they were speaking there about their relationship with Abraham. And they asked the Lord in John chapter 8, Art thou greater than our father Abraham, which is dead? And the Lord, in answering them, said in verse 56, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. That's the Lord Jesus speaking about Abraham to the Jews. And he said to them, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it. He saw it and was glad. That's what the Lord Jesus said. So Abraham, in this life of faith, of faith in the Lord, he actually could look down the corridors of time by faith. And he had faith in the Messiah. He had faith in the promised seed. The Savior says, He saw my day. Therefore, when we come to that deathbed scene, And it says, then Abraham gave up the ghost and died. I say to you today, he died in faith. He died believing. And surely that's how we would want to die. If we want to die well, we have to die with that faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you mark those words at the beginning of verse 8, then Abraham gave up the ghost. And as he gave up the ghost, it was with a steadfast faith in Jesus Christ, and therefore he could calmly and peacefully give up the ghost. Those words, give up the ghost, to us they would mean to breathe your last. To breathe your last. F.B. Meyer, the Bible commentator, spoke on that phrase, that expression, and he says, There was no reluctance in his death. When the angel messenger summoned him without a struggle, with readiness of glad consent, his spirit returned to God who gave it. Therefore, he died with faith in the Lord. And there was no reluctance. There was no withholding. There was no struggle. But there was a readiness and there was a glad consent that his spirit returned to God who gave it. I say to you this morning, that's how you want to die. That's how you want to die. With faith in Jesus Christ, with a readiness and with a willingness to go whenever your time comes. You want to die well. Secondly, not only... His faith at death, but his fullness at death. His fullness. Do you notice that verse 8 again? Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man, and full of years. My, there was his fullness. He died in a good old age. He's an old man. And the expression is there in our Bible, full of years. But if you look closely at verse 8 there, you may be able to see there are words in italics. And the words in italics there are those words of years. And whenever you see words in italics in the authorized version of the Scriptures, that means that these words were not in the original language of the Old Testament but rather, these words were inserted by the translators just to help us with our reading of the passage and to help us with our understanding of the passage. But those words of years are not there. And therefore, if you were to read it literally, it would just say, an old man and fool. An old man and and full and therefore it's speaking about his fullness. And do you know what the word full there really means? It means satisfied. That whenever it came to his death he was satisfied. He's an old man. He's died at a good old age, but he died satisfied. In the book of Proverbs, the chapter 19 and the verse 23, the very same word is translated satisfied. And it says, The fear of the Lord tendeth to life, and he that hath it shall abide satisfied. He shall not be visited with evil. And so therefore, this word fool is the word that means satisfied. And I put it to you again, surely that's how you would want to die. It speaks of one going out into eternity that has left nothing undone, no regrets. All affairs, all matters, all outstanding issues have all been attended to. We've read down Genesis 25 and Abraham has distributed his goods He has given out gifts to certain individuals, but it says to Isaac he gave all. He has sorted out all of his affairs here, he has set everything in order and everything in place, and he now knowing what's coming, he's prepared and he's ready and he's willing and he's full, he's satisfied. No regrets. A long life of faith that was blessed of the Lord. He's ready to go. Whenever Paul was leaving the elders at Ephesus, and it's recorded in Acts chapter 20, there, whenever he was speaking to them before he left, he makes an interesting thought in the verse 24. He says there, but none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy. That's what he said to those elders, so that I might finish my course with joy. He wanted to die happy. He wanted to die satisfied. He wanted to die fulfilled. And he said, I want to finish my course with joy. Not just seeing out his days, disgruntled, discontented. No, to finish the course with joy. You could parallel the verses when he wrote to Timothy. In 2 Timothy 4, when Paul is nearing the end. And he said, I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. And then he said, I've finished my course. I've finished my course. He had said to those elders, I want to finish it with joy. And he says, I've finished my course. And surely we see that with Abraham. Whenever he comes to the end of his life, my, he is finished well. It tells us that he died in a good old age, an old man and full, an old man and satisfied. That's how to die well. My role as a minister of the gospel, I have attended a good number of deathbeds. That time whenever the doctor steps back from the bed and shakes his head and says I can do no more the family will be gathered there where can you draw comfort in that hour where can you find peace and assurance in that hour I say to you it's not from the world most definitely it's not from the world it's not from the wealth of the world it's not from the possessions of the world what shall it profit a man if he should gain the whole world? It matters not at that point. It's not the vices of the world, the broken cisterns of the world that cannot satisfy. The only comfort, the only real consolation at that point is being able to know the Lord's presence with you, being able to hear. The promises of his precious word and the great hope that it brings for eternity. And to know with assurance that your sins have been forgiven and it is well with your soul, that's the only comfort. That's the only way to die. John Knox, the Scottish reformer, he said, live in Christ, live in Christ and the flesh need not fear death. The flesh need not fear death. Abraham knew that when it came to the end of his life. He knew that fulfillment, that contentment. He knew that fullness because he had lived that life with faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's his faith at death, there's his fullness at death, and then thirdly, his future at death. Verse it finishes with the words, and was gathered to his people. Gathered to his people. These words, some would say, are just telling us that he died. He was gathered to his people, but we've already been told in the verse that he died. And these words, being gathered to his people, They must mean something more than just death itself. They're not just superfluous words. They're not just there to fill out the page. Others will tell us, no, they're they're referring to his burial. He would be gathered to his people in his burial. Well, way back in Genesis chapter 11 and the verse 28, we learned that Abraham had a brother a brother was called Haran and he died and was buried in the air of the Chaldees well Abraham wasn't buried there you'll also learn in Genesis chapter 11 and the verse 32 that Abraham's father Terah died and he was buried in Haran Abraham wasn't buried there If you are following in our Bible reading, it tells us that he was buried in Machpelah, that cave that he had bought from the Hittites, And he had buried there his beloved wife, Sarah. And it was only Sarah was in that grave. So if these words, he was gathered to his people, were referring to the grave, they wouldn't be right. For it was only Sarah. People is plural. So he wasn't buried with his brother. He wasn't buried with his father. He was buried with Sarah. And when you think of those words, and he was gathered to his people, they must mean something more than burial. And what we suggest here is that this expression refers to the soul, the body will be interred at Machpelah in the cave alongside Sarah. But the soul, the soul of Abraham, is what will be gathered to his people. And it's speaking about the people of God. Speaking about that blessed reunion with each one of God's people in eternity. One day all the redeemed Every believing soul will be gathered together. The great assembly of the saints. The assembly of every child of God. And those who die in Christ, they go to be with Christ. And they're also with the spirits of the just made perfect. They're gathered with God's people. Therefore, it's speaking to us about heaven. And about that future of the soul and the soul being gathered into glory. And I say to you again, that's how you want to die. If you want to die well, it's to die with that blessed hope that you will be gathered together with all the people of God in eternity. And Revelation depicts that for us. It describes it. Revelation chapter 7 speaks about an innumerable company that no man can number of every kindred and tribe and people and nation. And who are they? They're the redeemed of the Lord. Those who have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, when you think about Abraham's future to death, he was gathered to his people. I trust that each one of us in the glory will be gathered with the redeemed of the Lord. And the blessed hope and the great comfort for our souls today is will be reunited with our loved ones that have died in Christ. May the Lord bless his word and bless this study. To each of our hearts. Let's unite together in prayer. I'm going to have a word of prayer and then I'll go to the door and anyone that's not remaining around the Lord's table, you feel free to leave us at that point. Our gracious God, our loving Heavenly Father, we do thank Thee for Thy precious Word. Give us grace, O God, to hide that Word within our heart that we might not sin against Thee, Know that each one of us today might know that saving faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, the peace of God within our heart, and knowing that it's well with our soul for all eternity. O oh Lord, give to each one that blessed assurance. We pray that now as we tarry around thy table, that we would once again know thy presence with us, and we would know a blessed time together. Bless those that take their leave from us and may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit, our Comforter, rest remain and abide with each one both now and ever. We ask it for Jesus' sake. Amen.